talking about the gospel in four letters. Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Ephesians. Right now we're, we're in the book of, of Galatians. And so far I want to remind you, we've talked about a few things and I want to keep putting this in front of you uh, because I want you to memorize it. I want it to be in your head and heart. I want it to be repeated in the car. I want your children saying it back to you. And here's reality. Everyone believes the gospel and the gospel you believe determines the life you live. Some of you believe a false gospel. Some of you believe a weak gospel. Some of you believe the true gospel. What is the true biblical gospel? Here's the definition. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God to save us from the punishment and power of sin. So we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. The gospel is through and through a work of God. But it transforms us because it removes the punishment and power of sin. We no longer fear death and hell. We, we are no longer condemned to have to sin. We're now able to, to walk in righteousness because we have peace with God, peace in our own hearts, and peace in our other relationships because the forgiveness we've gotten from God, we give and receive from others. So what we gain is a new life. And again, don't forget this. This life is a Christ-centered and gospel-powered life. It's centered on Christ. It's powered by the gospel. It's the power of God. Remember, that's what the gospel is. And so this power is at work in us. And so we're talking about experiencing the gospel. And I, I again, I, I just love the artwork on this because this is a picture of what it is. We're going from a life of death. We're, we're, we're passing over that chasm that only the cross can, can bear our weight. And we're able to walk freely into this new life where, there's, where there is life, where there is a freshness and a newness. And this is the power of God that we experience. And again, let's talk about experience. We talked about this last week. What is it to experience something? To experience something is to have our heads, our hearts, and our hands engaged. It's not enough that, that you maybe understand this. And I realize as I'm teaching through Galatians, as I'm preaching the gospel, there's a lot of folks who are saying, hey, I get this. I got that. You know what? The devil does too. But it doesn't matter to him. It doesn't move his heart. It doesn't transform him. And I, and I know that there are maybe some here who can, who can maybe repeat scripture more than I can, can maybe, you know, speak to what the truth says even better uh, than scholars. But if it doesn't get in your heart and it doesn't change your life, if it's not an experience, it doesn't matter. It's head, heart and hands. It changes the way we think, the way we feel and therefore how we live. This is the experience. Experiencing the gospel in, will engage all of those parts. And so this is what Galatians is helping us to do. And just by way of reminder, Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was written to not a single church. It was written to a cluster of churches in, in southern Galatia. And it was near where Paul was, was born and raised. And so he was born in Tarsus. You'll see I circled that. And then those, those churches there, that's who he's writing to. He's very familiar with these regions. He's very familiar with this people group. And, and he was real frustrated with them because... Quite honestly, it almost cost him his life to go and take the gospel to him. And now they were turning away from this gospel. But it wasn't just them. There were a lot of people. There was a teaching in the church at that time that basically said, you have to change the outside of your life in order to become a Christian. And that's not true at all. By, by being transformed by the truth and moves your heart, then it changes your life. So we talked about in Acts 15 how they had to come down to this decision about what the gospel is and what the gospel does and what this experience is supposed to be. Remember, the, the gospel that you believe determines the life that you live. 
And so if you believe the true gospel, it's going to move your heart. It's going to move your hands. It's going to change your life. There's going to be a transformation. And that's what we want to talk about today. We, we touched on it last week, that grace brings a, about a transformation. Now we're going to go deeper. We're going to see what Galatians says in particular. Please understand, to transform is to change. So when we're talking about transformation, we're talking about change. Anything living is going to change. Dead things don't necessarily change, but living things always change. Uh, this last week, uh, there was a person that wanted to add me as a friend on Facebook, and, and I recognized the name, but for the life of me, I could not, I could not, under, I, the face just didn't, because it was, it was so old. And, and I, I, I realized that, my goodness, this guy is who I graduated in high school, and we're now the same age as old people, and so there you go. And I'm sure he looked at my picture and he's thinking, where's that mullet, bro? Man, that was beautiful. Where'd that go? What happened to you? Well, we, 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 we grew up and we, we, we got older. And guess what happens? There's change. I, I, there, was a, there was a sweet little girl uh, last Sunday. I saw her after this service, as a matter of fact, and she has become quite the little lady. And she is just strikingly beautiful. And it really does bother me. She should be a child for all I can, uh, you know, that she should not have this long, beautiful hair. She should just, she should be, you know, causing trouble and putting gum under the chairs. But that's not what's happening. There's been a transformation. There's been a change because she's, she's growing. She's growing up as well she should, as we all should. For those of us who've been born again and have life in Christ, we're supposed to be transformed we're supposed to be changing. This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. That image is the image of Christ and, and that glorious God. We are, we are being transformed into his likeness for, for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Here's the fact. If you're born again, God has saved you to become more like Jesus. And either you are becoming more like Jesus or you're becoming less like Jesus. You are not staying the same. There is change that is happening. Is it a gospel transformation? What is a gospel transformation? That's what we're talking about today. Here's the definition. Gospel transformation is the supernatural change. Now let me pause there for a moment. It is not a natural change. If you're living according to the standards of the world, the, the change I'm going to talk about today, not only is it going to not make sense to you, it's going to be impossible for you. Because the, the change that we're talking about that the Bible teaches, it's supernatural. It's not something we can conjure up on our own. There, there's, no, there's no five steps to getting this kind of, of transformation. It's supernatural. So again, back to the definition. Gospel transformation is the supernatural change of the saints into the image of Christ. Look at the agency through God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. Those three sources, those three agencies, the, the word and the spirit and, and the people of God. That, that's what God uses. Uh, again, the, the word of God. God works through his word. Our scripture memory verse for this month is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And what does it say? But that all scripture is breathed out by God. It's useful. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God is given so that we will be transformed. But, but it's not just a head knowledge. 
There's something that happens in us. It happens in us by the Spirit of God. When you're abiding in Jesus, according to John 15, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And, and what is that? We'll look at this in more detail in a few weeks, but for now, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, we were talking a, a couple of weeks ago about how the fact that we're all vessels and if we ever get bumped, whatever is inside of us comes out. And it's been really funny to me. I've heard from some, so many of our small groups and accountability groups, they've been having a good time with this. One of the, one of the discussion questions has begun to be, how'd you get bumped and what came out when you got hit? And it's been really interesting because here's the deal. Whatever's in you, when you get bumped, that's what's going to come out of you. And when we're abiding in, in Christ and we're walking in the spirit, there, there's this fruit that will spill out of us. And, and, and that's a work of the spirit. So he uses his word to clarify, to show us what is true. His spirit to empower us, to fill us, to enable us. But then he uses his people, his people. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, for what purpose? Look at this. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. We are to serve one another. We need each other. We, we need the truth to be spoken into one another. We, we, need a, we need a couples group where someone can not only teach what is true and the Spirit can move and convict us, but then we need other people to say, yes, this is true. I see this in you. Be encouraged. I see this in you. This is not wise. This is not good. You, you need to do something different. This is, this is not what, what you want. This is where that leads. We need real people. And we need the power of the Spirit, and we need the truth of God's Word, and God uses that to bring about this gospel transformation. Our text today gives us a sense of what it is and what it does. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to the Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 10. Gabe is going to read for us a, a big section of it. This is a lot of scripture today. He's going to read quite a bit of it. I'm going to tell you, it ain't easy. And so pray for him. Let's stand together as we look at God's word. We're in Galatians chapter 1. He's going to begin in verse 10. Gabe, read for that, that section for us. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, violent, violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the, for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who, call, who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him, preach him among the other Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were possible for me, but I went away to Arabia and returned in, to Damascus. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Let's hear it for Gabe. Wasn't that hard? He did good. That was so good. If you would, go ahead and be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. So this section, look at it real quick. 
beginning in, in uh, chapter, word, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. And now just glance real quick all the way down into chapter 2, verse 10. This whole section is narrative. What the apostle is doing is, is he's sharing his testimony. He's, he's sharing his three-part story. See, here's the thing that's, that's so amazing uh, about those who've been born again, those of, of us who repent and believe the gospel. There's three parts to our story. Now, if you're a religious person, if you're a nice person, if you're a person who's trying to do your best, you only have one part to your story. But if, if you have repented and believed the gospel, you have three parts. The first part is your life without Christ. It's your life you're trying to figure out and do on your own. And the Apostle Paul describes what his life was like. He was trained to be a Pharisee. He was a, he was a religious bigot. He was, he was mean and he was dangerous and he caused harm, not only to his own soul, but, 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 but to the lives of other people. But, but then Christ intervened in his life. And that's the second part of, of every person's story who's been born again. We, we are transformed Paul was literally knocked off his high horse. The, the rest of us, we can all speak to a moment when we're brought low under deep conviction of the reality of our sin that we need to turn from. The apostle Paul literally met Jesus face to face and was knocked down and blinded. And, and, and then he, he came to his senses and he was able to believe. And his life was radically transformed. And, and then he had a life in Christ. And that's the third part. So you have a life before Christ you have a, a salvation experience when you repent and believe the gospel. And then you have your life in Christ where you are tr being transformed by the power of God according to his word and spirit by the help of God's people. And as you're looking there today, and I'm going to pull out different texts, different words, different ideas, but understand what you see in chapter one, verse 10, all the way through chapter two, verse 10, it, it's the apostle Paul's three-part story. And if you're a born-again believer, you have that story. And like the Apostle Paul was doing so well here, we need to share our story as he was sharing his with us. And what, what he's speaking to is this transformation that happened in his life. It's a gospel transformation. It's a transformation that happens in the lives of all those who believe the gospel. There's three things I would encourage you to note today as we talk about what the gospel, uh, this gospel transformation is and what it does. And the first is this. Gospel transformation begins and ends with God. It begins and ends with God. It is an act of God. It does not originate with humanity or our structures. What, what this transformation, where it comes from, is God alone. It's, it's, it's mysterious. It's miraculous. Last week, we were talking about the beauty and the beast, and we're using that as, a, as an example of, of kind of what God does, a picture. This story was kind of showing to us the great story of God. And we talked about how in, in, that, in that story, the, the beast, he didn't, he didn't become a better behaved beast. See, that's all religion can do is make us better behaved beasts. Instead, he became new. He became what he was designed to be. And that's what happens to us in the gospel. When we are born again, we become the person God desired us to be. See, every person in this room, every one of you is sacred. Every person in this room, you've been made in the image of God. And your life is sacred. It is holy unto God because you are an image bearer of God. And this Sunday, this day, today is, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And all over the world, churches of people who believe in the Bible are, are praying for the unborn. And, and they're praying for human life because all life matters to God. All life, all human beings are holy unto God because we're made in his image. 
But those of us who are born again, we've got a new life. And so what what we see happening at the pregnancy center regularly is that we're seeing people who were, who these precious babies who were, who were going to lose their life, gain life. They're actually born and they are precious. And and we get the privilege of seeing, of of seeing what happens when that, that life is brought about and, and, and teaching them how to parent and love. For those of us who are in Christ, we're born again. And we were babes in Christ at first. But the more we grow, the more we look like the one who saved us. And we're trained by the church according to his word, by the power of the spirit. And we become more and more the image of Christ. So every human being is sacred. Every human being is made in the image of God. Those who believe the gospel, we are made in the image of Christ. And we are to be transformed more and more from glory to glory into what it looks like to be like Jesus. See, what the world is looking for, friends, is Jesus. And Jesus is sending us out into the world. See, some of you are parents. What your job to do is to show the world what it looks like when Jesus Christ is a parent to your child. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are nurses, doctors, business people. Uh, All of you have different roles that you play in culture and society at work and at home and and at school. And, And your job is to reveal the image of Christ. Your job is to show the world what it looks like with Jesus Christ living out in your life, in your, in your world. And this is what it means to be in the image of Christ. And we're to grow in that. Now, now notice what Paul is saying here. Let's look closely beginning in verse 10. What he's not saying is that, is that this supernatural transformation is about pleasing men. He said, you know, what he was preaching and what, what happened to him, he asked with these rhetorical questions for, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. What's he saying there? This is not from man. This this is not about what human beings can do. This transformation, this this image of Christ, it's miraculous. Only God can produce it. it. It's not only not to please man, it's not of man. Look at verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Here's what man's gospel is. Get power, get pleasure, get popularity, get possessions. You, you can go to any self-help aisle you want to today at Barnes & Noble, and there will be some kind of equation telling you how to get one or all four of those things. That's the way of the world. And what the apostle is saying here, this is not the transformation that God brings about. Because it's not, it's not, it's not to please man, it's not of man, and it's not from man. Look at verse 12. For I did not receive it from any man, nor as I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul was, was, was not raised or trained to become what he was. Here's something you have to understand about the Apostle Paul. This one who wrote the scriptures, this is not what his parents wanted for him. This one that, that, that was being used to, to, to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, that's not what Gamaliel, his professor, wanted for him. What, what happened was, what, what they wanted him to be was mean and hurtful and hateful. But God, but God intervened. We're going to go into more detail on this, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7 The two first words are the most important words. Can you say them out loud with me? But God. Many of you in this room right now, you you know what you once were. 
but God. You were dead, he made you alive. You were dirty, he made you clean. It was all about you now, it's all about him. You were on your own, now you're in him. And he is in you and you're a part of his family. Because of the grace of God, because of the power of God, now your life is different. And it's not something that human beings can do. It begins and it ends with God. Paul, he, he wasn't the person he wanted to be by the time he wrote 1 Corinthians 10, uh, sorry, 15. But look what he said, he's, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. See, the gospel changed the apostle. It gave him a new mind. It gave him a new passion. It gave him a new purpose. Think about what happened. It gave him a new head, a new heart, and a new purpose for his hands because he was experiencing the gospel. He was experiencing the transformation. This is what it is meant for us who are born again to, to, to experience ourselves, this transformation that, that begins and ends with God. And then it produces something. Write this down and remember, gospel transformation produces a new story, a new story. As God changes us, he, he gives us a new story. The, the thing about sinners, and, and, and as one who is the chief among them, I can tell you, it's a very unoriginal story. The, the depths and types of sin may be different, but the outcome is similar. It's emptiness, it's pain, it's darkness, it's a mess. But, but when, when Christ gets a hold of your life, it becomes a masterpiece. This is Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, his piata, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, what we are is, is we are like clay in, in the potter's hands, God being the potter. He's the, he is the, he's the ultimate artist. And what is he doing? He's forming us. This is, this is Jeremiah 18, 6. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hands, so you are in my hand. You know, when I was growing up, the cool stuff, the good stuff was Play-Doh. How many of you guys remember Play-Doh back in the day? That's the stuff. See, nowadays it's Minecraft. It's computers, screen. Remember the good old days when you got through playing Play-Doh? You could smell it for hours. You could almost smell it on your dinner, you know? And it was just like pizza with a slight side of Play-Doh, right? You could just smell it. And I had friends that they were, they were good at this stuff. I mean, they could, they could make some stuff like, like this. Like, look at this picture. Say out loud what you think that is. Pancakes, absolutely. And, and they were awesome at it. I, could, I had friends that could like see the design and they could carve it out. And they could cut it up and, and they could create this whole story around it. This is what mine looked like. What is that? It's a mess is what it is, all right? You know, it's funny. After the first service, a, a little boy said, Mommy, text Pastor Jason and tell him his, his creation was laundry. <laughs> it's pretty good. Either way, it's a mess, though, right? It's just a nice way of saying it. it's a mess. Here's the thing. On your own, without Christ, you're a mess. You're a mess being hurled through time and space. But in the hands of God, you're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. 
that, that he is forming and it's producing a whole new story. That, that's what happened to the apostle Paul. Realize, you know, where, where Paul started, it, it didn't define the rest of his story. Look, if you will, in verse 13, for you have heard my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently. And, and, and he goes on to talk about how he was zealous and, for the traditions and, and, and basically how he was, he was a religious bigot. But then, but, but then God had something else for him. Look at verse 15. This is so powerful. But, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't consult with anyone. I didn't go to Jerusalem where the leaders were. Instead, what happened was, and you can read about this in detail in, in Acts 22 where Paul's giving his testimony. He, he basically, he had to get out of town. He, he got saved in Damascus in Acts chapter nine, but then he had to get away for three years in Arabia and figure out his theology because he knew the Old Testament. He knew what the word of God said. He needed to realize how it was pointing to Jesus Christ. And so then he went back to this Damascus and he began to share it and they made him so mad they tried to, to kill him. But all of that changed Paul's story. I mean, think about it. He went to Damascus to arrest people and it was he who was arrested by God. God took him and made him his own and he changed his story. And what the apostle says in here, right here in scripture, his own testimony is he, he had this story for me before I was ever born. This, this scripture will, will blow your mind, I'm about to read, and it will take us all of eternity to understand how. But this is Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book was written, were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Before you ever lived a day, God had your story. He has the plan. He knows what is perfect for you. And each, each part of your story leads to the, the next. The chapter you're in right now is preparing you for, for what God has ahead. And you see there in verses 18 through 23, he's, he talks about how he, he went and talked with these folks and he was having these experiences. And, and what you'll realize when you're reading the book of Acts, when you read the, these epistles, these letters by Paul, each part prepared him for the next. And what you've got to understand is whatever you're going through right now, God is preparing you for what's next. It may be painful right now. It, it, it may be very peaceful right now. Friends, it's not about what's just happening now. It's about, it's about the story. It's about what God is going to do. It's what he's doing now to get you prepared for, for what he has for you. And the end result, look at verse 24. Here's the end result. And they glorified God because of me. Your story is meant to glorify God. Again, Psalm, Psalm 107, I, I love this. Beginning in verse 10, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Friends, if you are born again, if you have been saved, say so. Go and tell your friends at school. Tell them what you once were. Tell them how you were saved. Tell them how you're being transformed into Christ. Mom and dad, tell your kids. Tell people at work, tell your neighbors, impact your homes, your neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Share your story. Share what God has done. Because it, it begins and ends with God. It changes your story. And then lastly, gospel transformation empowers freedom. Freedom under Christ. Christ. 
for those who are born again, that there is a transformation that begins and it sets us free. It doesn't change us from the outside in. It changes us from what we believe to what we feel to how we live. Now, there were those in Paul's days, and that's who he's combating in the book of, of, of Galatians, this, this letter. He's, he's convincing people that the, the gospel changes our, our minds and our hearts and then our actions and not vice versa. But there are always those who are trying to, they're trying to capture us. They're trying to keep us. And sometimes it's, it's, it's not out of a hurtful motivation. Sometimes it's just they don't understand. Sometimes it is to manipulate. But look, what, look at verse uh, 4 in chapter 2. What the apostle says here, he says, Yet because of false brothers uh, secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom, our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment. The, the gospel provides us freedom. And it teaches us that anyone can be saved. He says in verse five, to them we did not yield in submission for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you so that others can hear, so that the truth will, will not be held in a lie, but that the truth will be revealed. And that once that truth is revealed, here's what happens. Your purpose is revealed. Once you begin to understand the, the power of God in the gospel and it begins to move your heart, it begins to change your life. And so you see in verse seven, he said, basically, I was entrusted to take the gospel to the uncircumcised. Peter was entrusted to take the gospel to, to the circumcised. Everyone had a purpose though. And friends, here's what you have to understand. There are people who love you and here's what they want. They want you to be happy they want you to be healthy and they want you to be wealthy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that may not be God's purpose for you. Someone who loves you may, not because they're trying to harm you, it's just they don't know. I, I remember when I gave up football to enter the ministry, I, I'll never forget what my dad said. He said, I'm so disappointed. Why did he say that? Was it because he didn't love me? No, he loved me. He thought that he knew what was best for me. He, he thought that but, but giving that up was going to somehow maybe harm my life, that was going to ruin my life, that was going to keep me from, from getting all the things that he wanted for me. But he didn't understand God's purpose, did he? And, and you need to understand there are people maybe that love you but they're not encouraging you in God's purpose. And there are also some people who don't love you and they're trying to manipulate you or use you. And they're trying to keep you from God's purpose. Either way, trust God's purpose. Know that he has a purpose and that purpose will set you free to live out what you were born to be. And it comes in this fellowship of other believers. And finally, verse 10, what will happen is this. It says, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Please, please understand, there are people who are poor financially and, and we are to love them and help them. But there's, there's other kinds of poverty that are far worse. As a matter of fact, there, there are some folks sitting here right now. You are rich in the things of this world, but spiritually and emotionally, 
You're poor. You're poor. You're never happy. You don't have peace. You're struggling. Whatever you're doing right now that you think is going to make you happy, it's not. I, I was poor financially and emotionally and spiritually. And I was so grateful that God led me to this beautiful girl that I wanted to get a date with, Miss Carrie, who went to a Bible teaching church. So I heard the Bible taught. And that truth was hard because our pastor taught the Bible and, and our Bible teachers told the truth and they told me straight up, what you're doing and the life you're living is awful and it's wrong. But not only did I hear that truth and the difficulty of it, at the same time, I felt their love. They weren't angry with me, they were sad for me. And, and what they had, I saw, was genuine. It was a genuine love for God and it was a genuine love for each other. And it was a genuine love for me. Now, I could argue the details that I didn't like, but you know what I couldn't argue? Love. I couldn't argue the fullness of the life of love that they shared with God and with one another. And friends, that is the beauty of what God has called us to. It's what he's freed us to do. Augustine said it this way, love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Not only will we not offend the one who is beloved, we, we, will, we will help those he loves. We will help the very ones who need his love. Those who are poor, who, who have no hope in eternity. And, and friends, you need to understand you're the best suited to, to love them. Here's what happens pretty regularly. Uh, folks go out and they're, they're sharing faith and they call me and they say, Pastor Jason, can you please come and share? And I always say, I I'm glad to do, but it's not going to work. Because here's the deal. They see me coming. I'm a hired gun in their eyes. That dude's a paid preacher with a doctorate degree who's just going to mess with me. Eh, eh, I ain't showing up. No. Teachers learn best from teachers. Moms from moms, dad from dad. Kids from kids. You know the best person to reach the people in your life right now? Is you. We are to care for the poor. Not just those who are financially poor. Those who are emotionally and spiritually poor. And we do that by loving them in the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. We do that because we have this experience that's from God and, and, and by God. It, it is one that, that enables us to fulfill our purpose. And it's liberating. Friends, some of you don't feel liberated this morning. You feel stuck. And, and part of that is because you're a mess. And you need to become a masterpiece. And that's only going to happen when you give your life to Christ. Some of you have given your life to Christ but you're not being transformed. Somewhere along the way, you got comfortable and you decided that you had enough of Jesus, that you're in good. You'll get to church when you get there. You'll, you'll do what's, what's convenient and nothing more. There's no growth there. You're not willing to be formed by the potter and you're stuck. And here's, friend, the best thing you can do today is tell God you're sorry that you're wrong and give him freedom 
to move in your life, which means you're going to have to do something probably really hard. You're going to have to trust and obey him. What his word has said, what his spirit has revealed, and what his people teach you. Some of you say, I I don't know what that is. Study God's word, pray in the spirit, and talk to another believer. I guarantee you, they'll tell you in five minutes what you need. But here's the thing. We'll lie to ourselves. We'll tease ourselves. And that's what some of you are doing right now. You're deceiving yourself. And you need to stop. God loves you very much. And he wants to do something very good with your life. But you've got to give it to him. And so we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to have some leaders up here that you can talk to. You can come and just get on your knees and pray. You may not be comfortable with that. That's cool. Hey, go out in the hallway. Go to Guest Connect. There's people there who would love to talk to you about what, about what God wants to do with your life. Let's stand together as we pray. Father God, I, I can't help but know that there, there are people here today that, that, are, that are lost, they're they're without you in the world. They're in a dark place. They're, they're hurting other people. They're, they're hurting themselves. They're doing what the Apostle Paul did. And I pray today that they would acknowledge that and that they would come to you and, and tell you that they're sorry and ask you to forgive them and, and to give you complete authority over their life and they, they, that you'd give them a new life and they'd be saved. Father, I, I pray for brothers and sisters in Christ who are here this morning who, again, they're, they're, they're not being transformed into the image of Christ. They're not, a, they're, not, they're not going from glory to glory. It's going from bad to worse. Or, 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 or they're just stuck and they're becoming cold to you, God. Hard clay doesn't shape well. And, and I pray this morning that, that they could come to you and ask you for a renewal uh, that, that living water would be poured into them and soften them and they would, they would relent to you and trust you and obey you and give you complete uh, freedom to work in them that they might be free. Lord, it's a narrow way. It's not an easy way. It's a way that requires faith. But you'll lead us because you're a good God. So God, hear us now as we praise you and for those who come to seek counsel and pray. In Jesus' name, amen.